born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Now, they did not believe in the resurrection. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 23 talks about the Pharisees did not believe in the resurrection. In Acts chapter 23 and verse 8, it talks about the Pharisees did not believe in the spirits or in the angels. So you see, these rulers, which is a part of the Sanhedrin, they did not like the idea, and that's why it says there in verse 2 of chapter uh, 4, being grieved. Grieved about what? Because there's somebody teaching something that we don't teach and we don't believe, and we don't want these people filling Jerusalem with their doctrine. See there in verse 2, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Not the resurrection of the dead, because everybody could have. But from the dead means there's still others that are dead, and there is going to be a resurrection in the future. But from the dead, Jesus came forth. And if Jesus hadn't said, Lazarus come forth, if he'd have just said, come forth, probably all of them would have got out of the grave. But they did not like the teaching of the resurrection. Because resurrection means that there has to be a higher power. There has to be an authority. There has to be something beyond the reach of man. To take a man that's dead and in the grave for three days and have him come back from the dead. That's why it's a powerful message. You see, there is no other religious leader in all the world that's ever died for their people. They still have their graves today. Mohammed did not die for the religion of Islam. He is not even a prophet. The Koran is not a holy book or a divine book. It's a war manual. You say, are you afraid to say that? Does it sound like it? And so he says here in verse 10, Be it known unto you, whom ye crucified, God raised from the dead. And this is in verse 11, is the stone which set it not of you builders. And that's mentioned in several places in the Old Testament. Because here, if you want to build this nation, the kingdom, the stone that you need, the foundation stone is Christ. You have rejected the foundation upon which this nation is to be built. And he says, you rejected him. God is the one that raised him from the dead. The very one you rejected is the one God accepted and raised him up. And this is the name by which there is no other name whereby we must be saved. So look what he's saying to these religious leaders. 
He said, there is no other name. There is no other name. It means no other power, no other religion, no other set of beliefs. There is no competition. There isn't anything or any religion of any kind whereby a man can be saved except through Christ. Jesus made this statement. He says, all those who want to come unto the Father must come through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except through me. You don't go through Christ, you don't go to heaven. I've had people say, well, you're trying to tell me that if I don't accept Jesus Christ, I'm going to go to hell. Yes. Yes. What about all those other religions? If they don't accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, they're lost. Eternally lost. Well, they're just as sincere in their belief. Sincerity has nothing to do with it. You can be just as sincerely wrong as you can be sincerely right. You go to the medicine cabinet to get you two aspirins. And by mistake, you get some arsenic. Well, it doesn't matter. Oh, yes, it do. One will cure your headache, that's for sure. But look what he says here in verse 12. This is an awesome verse. But now here you have two ignorant fishermen that's standing up and they're preaching this message and they're saying, neither is there salvation in any other because they didn't like the name Jesus Christ. They don't like the idea that he came back from the dead and they're preaching the resurrection. So the apostle Peter is just standing like he should have stood when Christ was being crucified. But the resurrection makes a difference. Now I know. Wouldn't it be great if you could have been there and saw that? Christ coming back from the dead or watched him when he took off up into the sky. That's why I wrote in that little poem that I have there. And you soared up through the clouds to glory. And one day you'll return just for me. Now he might come back for you, but he's coming for me. He just happens to take you along with him. Okay, so maybe it's not totally that way. Look at verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned, uneducated, ignorant men, they marveled, took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Can people tell that you have been with the Lord? Since you have trusted Christ as your Savior, are you different than you used to be? I can tell you this. I'm not the same man I used to be. I trust the Lord when I was 18 years old, but I can guarantee you this, 51 years later, I'm not the same guy. The Lord has changed my life. He changed the way that I think. It's changed the way that I live. It's changed me. Now, the change didn't save me. That's when I trusted Christ as my Savior. God gave me a new birth. I was born into God's family. And since then, I've kind of like fell in love with the Lord. And I, I want the world to know that I love the Lord. But look what he says. Uh, down through here, you'll find that it's talking about Christians and how that we and I got to make a decision. Peter is the same one that wrote over there in the book of 1 Peter and 2 Peter when he talks about obey all the magistrates that are over you. Submit yourself to those that rule over you. Well, he didn't. Paul wrote in the book of Romans, submit yourself to the higher powers. But you see, there comes a time when the higher powers, and you need to understand the higher power is the Lord. And it doesn't matter if the person 
is in government. Doesn't the person in government have to submit to the higher power? You see, just because people are in government make the rules and the laws, legislature, don't mean they're right. You and I are supposed to obey the law of the land. The law of the land until that law violates my obedience to God. Because you and I have to make a decision sometimes along the way. Will I obey God or will I obey man? The apostle Paul and the apostle Peter, you know why they wind up in prison? Because they didn't obey the law. Why? Because they had made an unrighteous law. Look what he says. They said that we cannot deny that a miracle has been done. So in verse 17 he says, But that it spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. What's that the same thing as saying? You're not supposed to witness to anybody about Christ. Do you know even today they don't want you talking about Christ in the schools? On your job? It's getting to where you can talk about anything else you want to, but you can't talk about Christ. Why? What did he do wrong? What did he do wrong to anybody? He's not wrong to anyone. Jesus Christ is God that made the world. He's the one that made us. But we can't talk about him. You can talk about anything else, but don't talk about God. Why? That's offensive. If what I say offends you, so be it. I haven't given up my freedom to speak. I will do everything in my power to try to be sweet and wonderful and kind. But there has to be a line that says, what is right and what is wrong? And you have to decide. And not everybody comes out on the same side. We're to love each other. You will offend me. Guess what? I will offend you sooner or later. You hang around here long enough. I will because I'm, I'm a person. I'm a man. I say things wrong. I Sometimes I can get a bad attitude. But look what he says here. In verse 18 he says, And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Now these are the rulers. They make the law. They can make the command. So what was the disciples supposed to do? What was Peter supposed to do? And so he says here in verse 19, But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. You judge. What should I do? You tell me this. God tells me this. Who should I listen to? You? God. What would you say? So look what he says. He says in verse 20, But we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We have seen someone crucified and buried and come back from the dead. And you don't want me to talk about that? If you went outside today and you saw a 70-year-old man, James Hayslip, all of a sudden slipping up into heaven, and you're watching him, and he's going up in the air. I mean... No outfits on, nothing like that, no motorized, anything like that. Just start going up in the air. And you watch him going all the way up, all the way up. Now, don't talk about that. You, you wouldn't be able to wait till you found somebody. It wouldn't matter who it is. You're going to tell, hey, you ought to see what I saw. You're not going to believe this. And yet, the most wonderful thing in all the world, the greatest event of all time, 
has just taken place. Now, don't talk about it. You know what? To me, the greatest thing that ever happened in my whole life was the day I trusted Christ as my Savior. Now, should I say anything about that? I think it's the greatest thing in all the world that's ever happened to me. Well, look what he says. So in verse 21, so when they had further threatened them, and they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. Now, this is called public opinion. (laughs) So because of public opinion, they wouldn't do it because the common people were listening to what they said, and they saw this. And so sometimes government backs off when people cry out. But look what he says. He says in verse 22, For the man which above was above 40 years old when he... Uh, on whom this miracle of healing was showed. And being let go, they went to their own companies. They went to their own company. You ought to underline those two words. It's kind of like the guy during the Second World War. You know, he's up there and he's flying his airplane and he done shot down a whole bunch of, you know, Japanese destroyers and airplanes and all that in there. And he said, man, I'm running out of fuel, so I'm going to have to land. So he goes in and he lands and he gets on the deck and gets off there and the throws the canopy back, takes off his glasses. Yeah, boy, we took care of a lot of them old Japanese out there. They said, very good, very good. He landed on the wrong aircraft carrier. You should go to your own company, your own people. So you come here, see, and you load up with your bombs, and then you go out there and you drop your bombs, but you don't go down to fellowship with the ones you dropped the bombs on. You come back here and tell people what's happened. You see, when I took that little trip and I come back here and I say, this happened, that happened, that happened. Well, this is what happened to them. This is what they, I just didn't get stoned. Whew. So look what he says. And reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. They told them what had happened to them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voices to God and complained to every last one of them and said, Man, I'll never witness. No. They lifted up their voices to God with one accord and said, Lord, Thou art God, which hath made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. This is the authority. This is the right. So even though they took their stand, they were threatened, and later on they were beaten and Stephen was killed, and Peter was thrown in prison, all because they defied government. You say, well, government has, government has no authority to override God's authority. That's why in Matthew 28 in the Great Commission, He hath given all power has been given unto Him. And He said what to do. So look what He says. In verse 25, he goes back now to the second psalm. Who by the mouth of thy servant David hath said. Why did the heathen rage? The people imagined vain things. The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together. See, they're gathered together. And the chief priests and the rulers, they're gathered together. So God's people are to gather together. It's called a church. It's where you come and encourage one another, pray for one another, and listen to one another. And how are things going? How's the battle? How are you waging the war? Because we're in a battle. 
And he makes a statement. They're gathered together, get this, against the Lord and against his Christ, against the Messiah. Now, in verse 27 is a declaration of guilt. For of a truth, against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, that's Jews and Gentiles, were gathered together. They were all instrumental in the death of Jesus Christ. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. So you'll read that in the second Psalm. David saw what was going to happen to Jesus Christ in the second Psalm, in, in the Old Testament. A thousand years before it happened. Just a coincidence? No, I don't think so. You see, it uses the Old Testament to validate what's going on right now as the reason why they should believe this. So whenever they get through preaching such a powerful sermon with all the evidence, and there stands a 40-year-old man being crippled since birth, and what power does it take to heal a man's body? And the same power that raised up Jesus from the dead. And the same power that quickened his mortal body also quickens our mortal body. That's what's going to change our body someday. And it'll be a glorified body. If the rapture took place right now, you would be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. By the power of the Holy Spirit that already lives within you. That day is coming. But look what he says. In verse 29. And now, Lord... Behold their threatenings, who? The government. Grant unto thy servants that with all, get this, boldness, they may speak thy word. This is what some of these kids are learning. If they can be bold while they're young, they just might be bold when they get old. They just might think, you know, maybe the Lord wants me to be a missionary or to marry a pastor or an evangelist. Wouldn't that be neat? Or, you know, you can serve the Lord wherever you are. Being a missionary is not someone who just happens to cross 3,000 miles of water. If you can't serve the Lord here, you won't serve the Lord there. If you're not a soul winner here, you won't be one there. So we're all missionaries. You're either a missionary or you're a mess. You either ought to be reaching somebody or somebody needs to reach you. Somebody needs to be challenging you to be reaching somebody. So look what he says. And he says, Now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. See, this is God's people being assembled together. I've had people say, Well, I don't have to go to church. No, you don't have to go to church. You still go to heaven. You don't have to give a dime. You don't have to give any money to go to heaven. You don't have to do a lot of praying. and You don't have to change your life. You don't have to do anything. Salvation is a free gift. That's because God loves you. Because I love Him, it pleases Him if I go to church and try to use my influence, my testimony. To challenge and motivate other Christians to do right. Because see, if I didn't go, I'm just liable to encourage other people not to go. And then they won't meet with other Christians and then they don't pray like they ought to. And then they won't encourage one another like they ought to. 
And then there's not the preacher that's going to stand up there and rebuke you and hit you between the eyes, make you think, to reason, to see what you're doing with your life. Now, you don't need all of that. So you're just going to do it automatically, huh? In spite of what God says. Some people think they're wiser than God. But because I love the Lord, I don't, I don't mind doing that. I don't mind spending time studying His Word because I know that's how He talks to me. So when I don't read the Word, it's like saying, God, I don't want to hear from you. Have you ever had people you talk to? They have. What does that mean? Ah! When's the last time you read the Bible? God says, I want to talk. Ah! Boy, you're going to pay a great price for stupidity, for being ignorant of truth. Because, see, your life will be in direct ratio to the caliber of your thoughts and how you think God wants to control. And that's why he says, bringing every thought into captivity of Christ so that he captures your mind. Because if he captures my mind, he captures my life. I belong to him. And so he makes this statement here. The place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled or controlled by the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God, and you ought to underline that word again, with boldness. With boldness. It doesn't matter who a person may be, what degree they have or their position in life. It doesn't matter if the guy has, you know, earrings and tattoos and a little goofy. You know, there might be a story behind it. Something else may not be right on the inside. Or, or like talking to the guy that on the surface I would have never known that his smile and his laughter and all that was just a camouflage for deep hurts on the inside because of what somebody had done to his daughter. And so I had the chance to relate to him a story about my own son who was doing a good deed. Somebody killed him. You see, sometimes God allows things to happen. You don't have to have reasons for everything. It's just a, it's stories you can use. So God is going to give you some of your own stories. But there's people that are hurting. And it doesn't matter sometimes on the outside. Even, so, for example, you sitting right here. Who knows the depths of your hurt? Really knows what you're going through. And we can have our handshakes and we walk and we shake hands and we encourage. And, and yet when you leave... You might be so discouraged inside, so hurt. I can't heal everything. I can't wave a magic wand. Nobody can. But I want you to know, I know someone who can. But you'll have to trust him. But he knows everything. Everything is open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. You see, God knows all of your hurts, everything that's going on in your life, the good and the bad. And the ugly, he knows it all. And he loves you. And he can give you peace and joy that the world can't take away. So why not look to the Lord and trust him if you already know him as your Savior? But if you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, did you know a lot of the things that can go wrong in your life is to get you to look to somebody who can solve the problem? Man can't solve all of your problems. You can go to all the psychiatrists in the world, but there's only one that you really need. That's the Lord. Look up here. Now, this hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. 
Now, he hates what we do wrong because everybody sins. But he loves us. But for us to pay for it is death and hell. Since, it, since everybody dies, everybody's condemned. And God loves us, and he doesn't want us to go to hell. See, God wants you to go to heaven. To go to heaven, you have to be perfect, as righteous as God. And nobody's perfect. Nobody's righteous. We're all sinners. We've all done things wrong. Nobody's better than you are. Nobody's worse than you. We're all sinners. God says no difference. We compare ourselves to God, and he's perfect. We're not. This end represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. He hates our sin. And it doesn't matter what your sin is or how many sins you've done or how bad you think they are. It's still sin. But because he loved you, he paid for all of them. Doesn't matter how big they were, how little they were, black or white. All sin he paid for. Came back from the dead and said that if you and I, if we would believe, he did it for us. He would put this payment to our account, paid in full. We go to heaven on what he did. We cannot earn eternal life. We cannot work our way to heaven by our good deeds. I'm a sinner. I heard that Jesus Christ loved me, took my sins, paid for them. I believe it. I don't have one sin to pay for because he paid it. I'm going to heaven because of what Christ did for me. And this wonderful love story of how much he loved me has motivated me to want to tell people about it. And so if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, God loves you. Christ paid for your sins. You don't have to accept it. God will not force you. He won't make you. But he will help you to see your need of it. But you may not trust him. And he'll bring you to the, your wit's ends, all kind of problems in life, and people can't help, and you feel so alone, so helpless, sometimes so in despair, you wonder if it's even worth living. Then God got you right where he wants you. He said, look, look at me. Look what I can do for you. He wants to give us eternal life and for us to go to heaven whenever we die. I've trusted Christ as my Savior. If you haven't, now's a good time. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you just talk to the Lord and say something simple like this? Lord, I, I got questions, I got doubts, but I believe that Jesus Christ died for me. I believe he paid for my sins. And right now I will trust him as my only hope of going to heaven. And friend, if you'll do that, I'd like to have prayer for you. I'm not going to have you stand up or come forward, but I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand. Raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense. And I'd like to have prayer for you. So in the quietness of this moment, is there anyone at all say, yes, that made sense to me. And I want to be certain of going to heaven when I die. And pray, John, like for you to pray for me. Would you let me know by just slipping your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Anyone at all? Just slip it up real quick, put it right back down. Anyone at all? If you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, do it right now. If you will trust Him, God will save you. Anyone at all? Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together. We ask your blessings upon those that are here. 
and Father, those that are watching by internet, that, Lord, you said in your word, whosoever believeth should not perish but have everlasting life. We're thankful for all that you do for us and how you work through our lives. Sometimes the things that we seem to think are good and sometimes the things that we think are not so good. You can use us anytime, anywhere, for your honor and glory. We thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. Have you ever heard that faith without works is dead? Or have you ever read James chapter 2? Does your faith produce good works? Some teach that if you don't serve the Lord, you're not saved. Is that true or false? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.